Scripture reading just a few moments ago that Brother Jimmy shared with us. And I want to dive back in and share with you the second part, the lesson that we started together last week, thinking about seeking the old paths, the ancient ways, and having an insistence upon God's ways in your life, whether it be a physical matter or a spiritual matter, whatever that matter may be, insist upon God's judgments for your life according to His Word. Show yourself to be more noble by searching the Scriptures daily to make sure the things that you are taught are so. And be dedicated as a faithful follower of God to strive to rightly divide the word of truth. For it is that engrafted word that's able to save our very souls. And our faith comes by hearing and hearing from that word. So as we pick back up in this, the second part of our lesson on seeking the old paths, we start our thoughts once again where we left off. Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 16. Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, that's the King's English, and see and ask for the old paths. The old paths are both tried and true. And there's nothing better than that. A path that is tried and true will not fail you. And it will lead you to where you're seeking to go. So stand in those ways. Ask for or seek out those paths and realize there's a good way there. And when you locate that good way, walk in it. And if you'll do that, you shall find rest unto your souls. And I want to pause right there for just a moment. You see, this is another glaring example of how our Savior works. He tells us what to do. We have a standard in the Bible. It was the same under the Mosaic Law. 
God told His people what He wanted them to do. And the choice was theirs. Could it be any more clear? Seek the old path. Realize it's good. Stand in it. Consider it. And follow it. And if you'll do that, God said that He would provide rest unto their souls. But rest is available. The kindness of God was extended. And the choice was theirs. Is it not the same today? Faith in the Scriptures? The Scriptures are written in an elementary fashion. Now I'm thankful for that. That every individual from all walks of life can understand and comprehend God's will revealed in His Scriptures. You simply don't have to have a PhD to understand. It's elementary. And the choice comes to us. When we read God's Word, it's our decision-making process. Will I be obedient or will I be neglectful? It's really the lesson of Jeremiah 6.16. There is a way that seems right to man, and that's disastrous. And then there's God's way. The tried and true. The only path to righteousness found in the only name under heaven by which men may be saved. And that is the name of Jesus Christ, the way, truth, and the life. I want to remind you, please, of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13 and verse 24. When Jesus admonished His followers to do just this, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. Set your sights on the straight way. In other words, that's the entrance we need to be interested in. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. There is death and danger in delay. The gospel hymn is right. Now is the acceptable hour. There's coming a time when individuals are neglectful and they become cognizant of that neglect and then it's too late. That's what Jesus is saying. So now... You strive to do this. Enter in at the gate that is called and identified as straight. Matthew 7.13 says the same in a little different words. Enter you in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way 
that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. We really are not concerned about popular opinion, are we? We're not that concerned about what the world has to say or whatever the prevailing outlook is of our society. Why? Because the Bible said, Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. It's not okay to justify your relationship or your worship with God because it's what everyone else is doing. Insist on the straight and narrow way of what the Bible says. And if you find yourself the only person that's doing what the Bible says, just continue to do so. Because God will be pleased and that's the ultimate test. Is God pleased? We don't enter into politics. I don't stand up here to preach the gospel according to my understanding. I want to deliver unto you just like Paul. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's what we testify to know. Nothing more. Nothing less. We want to be right on the target. Jesus Christ. And Him crucified. That's the saving message that can bring the world to God. That's not new. That's not cutting edge considering societal standards. But it's right. It has never changed. And it's never going to change. God is in the saving business for those that are in the business of responding by faith obediently to His Word to the best of their ability. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 15, please. Therefore, brethren, be firm, stand fast, and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or by our epistle or letter. Take a hold of it. We talked about finding that path, seeking it out, tried and true. It's the same traditions we're profiling right now. Seek those out. Study that Bible. Be a part of the church of God from that Bible that His Son purchased with His own blood. That's the only way. Now we move forward. And the last lesson point. I hope that small review brought back into memory 
things that we had studied a week or so ago. So I want to share with you that there's all kinds of doctrines available today to perpetrate themselves as new and improved. We insist upon the old paths. God needs no improvement. I need improvement. I need to change to fit God's standards. I'm not arrogant enough to believe that God is going to change to fit my standards. So we set up signposts and we make land or road marks. And that's the third lesson point that I want to share with you. This was the solution, the answer in the long, long ago for the nation of Israel. Under the Mosaic Law, which was a covenant between God and those individuals specifically. There was road marks to bring them back to God. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31 and verse 21, the Bible says this, Set thee up way marks, and make thee high heaps. Don't miss it, in other words. Set thine heart toward the highway. You know what your heart in the Bible refers to? Here. Here. Your intent. Your purpose. It's what it has reference to. Even the way which thou wentest, turn again, O virgin of Israel, turn again to these thy cities. So what was the solution? Come on back. That was the solution. Come back to the way of God. And that was the law of Moses at that time. Listen to the prophets that I have sent to you, Israel. They are drawing you back. God does just that even today. There's a lesson there for us. His Word draws. Jesus said something like this, If I be lifted up, I will draw the whole world unto me. In the Old Testament, it was high heaps, road mark, something you can pay attention to, turn again and come back. And as long as we're drawing breath and have sound mind, we have a privilege to repent Remember, that's a military term, yes, an about face, and go in the change of direction of life. That's repentance. Godly sorrow that's willing to do something. Back to the straight and narrow way. Back to the old past. Seek the old ways. Now, 
Here's another lesson for us. Turn your Bible with me, please. To the book of Deuteronomy chapter 4. Near the very front of your Bible. Fourth book, I believe. Don't quote me on that. I'm just a preacher. Fourth book, I believe. Fifth book. Uh-oh. Fifth book. I knew something didn't sound right. No, I believe it's the fourth. It's the fourth, fifth. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Numbers. Thank you. Have you all taken care of me? I appreciate that. I need it, and now you know that I need it. Fifth book. Left out numbers. Mm. Deuteronomy chapter 4, please, in verse 1. I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity to be lighthearted. Thank you. Thank you for taking care of me. From this law of Moses, this pathway, you come back, but even the nation of Israel was not at liberty to add to or take away from these statutes in any way. And we'll make application to our lives in just a moment. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 1 and starting. Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments. Where'd they come from? Who provided the statutes and the judgments? Which I teach you. For to do them. It's never being good enough just to know and not do. Do you agree? Amen. We quote the book of James often in the New Testament. For the one who hears the Word of God and doesn't do is like one that looks in the mirror, walks away immediately, forgets what he sees. Well, that effort was futile, wasn't it? But here in the fifth book, God teaches us the statutes and the judgments of the Old Covenant to the nation of Israel. We can learn from this. Do them. And if you'll do them, you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. Now notice verse 2. As Bible students, you know it well. You shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish aught from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. First Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6 says that you can learn in the lives of the apostles not to go beyond what is written. Not to be puffed up and think more highly of oneself than we ought. That's a correlation between the new and the old right here. The book of Revelation echoes the same. There's grave consequences when we take away or add to the Word of God. Have no such authority. 
I'm a mere man. Fallible as you know from this sermon. How am I qualified in any way to add to or take away from perfection? And I'm not. God provides this teaching. God expects us to do it. But He's good. And He provides promises when we do. And again, the choice is ours. Something new, something innovative, or the old tried and true that God has established. Not adding to it, not taking away from it in any fashion or manner, striving to keep the commandments in a straight and narrow manner. In this instance, it was promised land. For us, it's a promised land, a heavenly home that He's gone away to prepare that where He is, we may be also. That promise is to the faithful. That promise was to the disciples. If you're a Christian, a learned follower of God, you're a disciple today. The promise is for you. If it were not so, He would have told us. He told us it was so. So what's our solution today? What's our landmark? What's our signpost? What draws us back to the right way? Acts 2.42 says that early disciples dedicated or devoted themselves steadfastly Yes, to prayer, breaking of bread, fellowship, the doctrine, the teaching of the apostles. What are we dedicated to? Prayer, fellowship, the breaking of bread around the Lord's table on the first day of the week, and the teaching of the Bible. Holy Spirit inspired. We want nothing more. Don't want to digress from that. We don't want to have addition. It's already complete. And it thoroughly equips us for every good work. So let's be taught it. Let's do it. And let it guide us to a promised land. For the faithful. 1 Corinthians 14.37 says, the Apostle Paul speaking to a congregation that had been visited by an apostle that had the baptismal measure gifts of the Holy Spirit miraculous in nature. And in 1 Corinthians 14.37 
thinking about order in worship, Paul said this, If any man think himself to be spiritual or prophet in any way, let him acknowledge the things that I write as the commandments of God. Don't say unto me, I've been given these gifts and I do not have to follow God's commands. It didn't make them special. They were expected to have a fit and order even when it was available and to be subject to the one who provided it for the establishing of the church. It's a lesson for us. And then we come to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. For this cause also we thank God without ceasing. It's continual. Because when you receive the Word of God which you heard of us, there's the apostolic doctrine, you received it not as the Word of men. No apostle spoke of their own accord of their own private interpretation. As a matter of fact, may I remind you please, that if any man speak, is this 1 Peter 4, 11? If any man speak, let him speak as the oracle of God. My sermon should be scriptural. Every Bible study should have an emphasis on the Bible. If I'm going to speak, I want to be a mouthpiece of the Lord to speak His words. They're precious. My words are not. My wisdom is not. And my judgments are not. But God's are fair, just, and precious. And they'll lead us to life eternal. But as it is in truth the Word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Let's study the opposite for just a moment. Would you turn your Bible please to the book of 2 John? Verse 9. I guess I have a bad habit of saying chapter 1. When you get there, you'll get that joke. In just one chapter. Would you go to 2 John? And may we start our reading in verse 5. And we'll conclude our reading in verse 9. And we'll bring our lesson to a close. Thinking about signposts road marks or landmarks that just like those of a long, long ago will bring us back to the straight and narrow path that's tried and true as we insist upon the old paths. Second John 
the only chapter starting in verse 5. And now, I beseech thee, means to beg, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we have had from the beginning, the old path. Nothing's changed. Brother Shelby Roy shared with us in Bible study that Satan was a murderer from the beginning. Nothing's changed. He's still in the murdering business. He's unrepentant. He's good at what he does. We respect him as such and we're not ignorant of his devices or schemes. We know his wiles and we know he seeks to destroy us spiritually. There's the murder. He knows his ultimate abode and he would like to bring you there with him. It was never prepared for you. Brother Leland shared that with us this morning as well. It was originally prepared for Satan and his angels, those messengers of his will. He'd like to bring you there. He can smite God that way by harming one of his children. That's how low Satan is. I'm not slandering celestial being, that's the truth. That's how low he is seeks to destroy you, to hurt God. So we have another commandment. It's on the flip side of the coin from the beginning. Love one another. Everything hinges on that. The love you have for the church, the love that you have for your brothers and sisters in Christ that make up the body, the love that you have for God, His Son, the Holy Ghost inspired word. It all comes back to loving one another. Nothing's changed. That's not innovative. That's God's way. Needs no changing. Needs no alteration in any way. And this is love, verse 6. That we walk after His commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. Did we not just read that from Jeremiah? Find the path. Test them. Find the one that leads the good way. That's God's. And stand in it. Did we not just read it from 2 Thessalonians and 1 Thessalonians both? Stand fast. Hold the traditions as they were taught unto you. That's the message of old. It's unchanging. We can hold to God's unchanging hand and walk therein. That's faith. Faith is a verb. It takes doing. Walk therein. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. John 14, 15. John hasn't forgotten that, has he? In the Gospel of John, he taught us that we're truly a friend to God if we do what God tells us to do. And now we come to 2 John, and guess what? He hasn't forgotten. He's seeking the old paths. Walk therein. 
For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. There's a couple titles for someone that says that Jesus Christ has not come. Deceiver and Antichrist. That's the end of that verse, isn't it? If you deny the Lordship, the Messiahship, if you deny that Jesus is the Son of the living God, you are two things. A deceiver and an antichrist. John said the spirit of antichrist was already at work in their day and you know what it is. That any man that denies Christ is an antichrist. That's what that means. Anti means none. So you can break that word down. These individuals are none of Christ. They're deceivers. Why are they deceivers? Because the Bible is a book of reason. Come let us reason together from the long, long ago even. And it is reasonable to understand that Jesus Christ is Lord. One has to deceive himself or herself to deny the eyewitness testimony, to deny that there is a God, and realizing that there is a God is the beginning of wisdom. So to deny that makes you a deceiver of others and even worse, of your own self. Look to yourselves in verse 8, 2 John, that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Are you interested in the full reward or would you just like one-fourth? Well, that's a rhetorical question. Can I fall from my secure position? Well, verse 8 seems to indicate that I can. Look to yourselves that we lose not the things which we have wrought. What things would you be losing? You do not want to lose that full reward. So you look inward. When we come around the Lord's table, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 28 and following, says that it's a time for self-examination. A weekly dedicated time to look inward. Yes, we remember the body and the blood, no doubt. And we celebrate the sacrifice made on our behalf and we're touched. But it's a time to make sure that we're on that old path. That we haven't veered this way or this way in any manner. But that we're still striving to enter in at the gate called straight. God has provided that. We need that. I need that. It's a time of self-examination. We want that full reward. We want that heavenly home. We long for that. As the years pile up, 
as time goes by, as we say goodbye to those we love dearly, heaven becomes more of a reality and it becomes more of a blessing and you realize the full reward. A home in heaven is a reunion with those that have gone on before. Faithful in Christ. And it's ever living to praise and adore our Heavenly Father. And a realization that you were so valuable to Him that He wants to spend eternity with you as well. I'm not worthy of that. I'd be the first to tell you. But in Christ, we have become the righteousness of God. What's the song we sang this morning, Brother Kevin? <clears throat> he paid a debt that I simply could not pay. I owed it to God. And He settled that old account. That's the full reward. Don't compromise that in any way. And we come to verse 9, very sobering. If we don't have the doctrine, we don't have Christ. Let's read it. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. That doesn't pull any punches, does it? It's hard to miss that. He that abideth in the teaching, the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. There's a full reward. How do I get that? I'm interested in having both the Father and the Son in my life. How could I possess that, please? Abide in the old ways. Insist upon God's will. Ask for the old past. It hasn't changed. If we don't abide in the doctrine, we don't have God. And without God, we're two things. Lost, undone. With God, saved. Safe in the arms of the Lord. Leaning on that everlasting arm with an eternal hope that no person can ever take from you. Picture God's hand. As a family of God, you're in His protection. And unless you decide to transgress Unless you decide not to abide in the doctrine, there you will remain. And no man can pluck you out. There's a qualifier, yes. Why would anyone want to turn away from the precious teaching of the Lord to follow after a lost and dying world and a murderer from the beginning like the devil. How many of us thought it would be a good idea to name our child devil when it was born? 
we don't even want to be associated with such a name in any way, form, or fashion. Even the name itself carries a negative connotation. How foolish it would be to transgress and to turn away. But Hebrews chapter 10 teaches us, down around verse 26 and 27, that if we know better, that was written to Christians. If we know better, and we continue to sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. That's a decision you would have to make. I'm not going to follow after the truth. I'm going to sin. I'm going to do it willfully. And I'm going to be unrepentant toward it. When you do that, you remove yourself. Is it God's fault? As Brother Ruff said, shake your head like that. It's not God's fault. That would be my fault for being negligent and not taking advantage of the old path, the straight gate, the grace and mercy of God and abiding in the doctrine that I know is right. So as we bring our lesson to a close this evening, I encourage you to be faithful all the more to grow in that truth. Grow in that grace and mercy. Realizing that your labor is not in vain. And realizing the saving knowledge that you have is eternal and will lead you to the eternal home when this life adjourns. The world can offer you nothing of the such. It can offer you pleasures of the flesh for a season. That'll be quenched. God offers you joys and splendors for an eternity. We sacrifice now. We work and labor now. And we rest in the heavenly home for eternity when this life is over. Seek those old paths. Don't ever be discouraged. You know the right way. Tried and true. And it's God's way. It was of perfection from the beginning. It has never changed and it will never change. No man has authority to make any changes anyway. If you have a need to respond to the gospel message this evening, please know it would be our earnest joy to assist you. Believe in Christ Jesus. Put your complete faith and trust in Him. Because of the faith that you have, turn away from your sins by repenting. Because of the faith that you have, confess that faith before this congregation. And because of the faith that you have, be buried with Jesus in the watery grave of baptism for the remission of your past sins. Your sins will be washed away white as snow in that flow of the precious blood of the Lamb. God will add you to His church and you will rise to walk in a newness of life. He purchased us 
He adds us to His body, which is the church where Christ sits at the head, the place of authority. And He extends that invitation to all. If you have a need to respond, we implore you to do so. If you desire the prayers of Christian people for rededication, we want to assist you. Or if you just require the prayers of Christian people on your behalf for a need that you may be dealing with, you don't have to carry it alone. We are willing to bear the burdens of one another and so fulfill Christ's law. Please allow us to assist you if we can. Whatever your need may be, won't you come? As we stand together and blend our voices for your encouragement. Amen.